This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. Hey, everybody, guess what? The creative writing community is now open for membership. I'm so excited about this community because it is going to be dedicated to writers writing their book, publishing their book, and launching their book, all while having a good time and growing in their craft. Writing is typically an all-alone art, but you don't have to be a lone wolf and do everything yourself. In fact, I highly recommend that you don't, just for your own sanity. In the creative writing community, we're going to have live writing sprints, author hangouts, expert Q&As. We're going to learn all about the things that it takes to be an author these days and generally support each other in the craft. It will be a place where you can share your knowledge and learn from others and find collaboration and accountability with people who are serious about growing as writers. We're going to support each other, encourage each other, challenge each other, and be generally as committed to seeing each other succeed as we are to our own success. If you're interested in being part of such a group, head on over to catcaldwell.com and just click the pink button right at the header. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast. We are on episode 89, June 14th, 2021. We are already in summer. I don't know about you, but my kids are out of school. No more Zoom meetings. (laughs) Actually, my kids got to go to school, but they had all their other extracurriculars on Zoom. And I am ready to have a Zoom-free summer for my children, at least. That is what I am excited about. This summer is going to look a little bit different for us than last summer. Last summer, we drove across country to move to the D.C. area. Little fact about D.C. area, it's called the DMV because it's D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And I just have to say I think it's very apt because it's the traffic is like a clogged up DMV line. I'm just saying. And it's not even like fully out of COVID yet. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. They have no left turning lanes in Virginia. So you just sit there waiting for the person to turn left. <laughs> it's really working on my patience. I I have found that I have very little patience driving. After 10 years of living in Europe and walking everywhere or taking the bus, but I pretty much walked everywhere if I could because I guess I like to be in control of my movement. I don't know. I don't know what that says about me. I used to like wait for the bus stop and then if it took too long coming, I would walk to the next one. I would walk to the next one. And in Madrid, if you are trying to take the bus with a baby stroller at rush hour, you might as well just walk home. Like it doesn't matter if it's 11 miles away, you might as well just walk home. I used to walk a lot. I do like this area for the fact that I can walk to a lot of places. I have a grocery store really close by. We have like a a bread shop and, you know, Starbucks. It's crazy because I, we don't really have local coffee shops where I am. It's all Starbucks or 7-Eleven. Anyway, that's an update on me and where I live. But last year we we drove across country and that was really fun. It was fun to see the country, except that most of the country was shut down. So it's a little weird at the same time. 
and we came into a very shut down East Coast, but we're opening up and museums are open again, which will be fun when we get back from Spain. So my husband's family is from Spain and we are headed over there to see them because we haven't seen them in a long time. I don't know how to calculate that amount of time. I think two years. I think it's been two years. Time flies. So we're heading over there, all the quarantining and all the things that happen, but we will have fun. So um, some of these podcasts will, <laughs> will be recorded over in Spain and you will feel the Madrid breeze as you listen to them or not, but maybe I can get somebody over there who's creative and speaks English. We'll see. This week, actually, speaking of Europe, I spoke to Anna and I'm not going to attempt her last name because Anna is from Slovenia and I would probably really, really butcher it. And being the mother of some kids with a funny last name, I am going to, you know, plead the fifth and not not say her last name. She actually says it for us when she comes on. Anna and I were talking quite a bit about her journey to becoming a graphic artist and what she learned in the university. Anna is somebody I found on Instagram to do my book cover. So she is designing my book cover for Coffee Stains, which is in the works to come out and be published this fall, which I'm very excited about. I'm excited to see what she is coming up with. You guys will be able to see that very soon. Not yet, but soon. And when when it's ready, there will be a link in the show notes. Right now on 614, it is not ready, but it will be soon. So stay tuned. Be sure to come and listen to the following episodes for the summer. Now, as we were talking, she said something really interesting about, you know, paying attention to what's around you. And while you listen to her, you might be tempted to think, especially if you live in Canada or the United States, well, yeah, it's easy to, you know, look around you when you live in beautiful ancient Europe or ancient city there. But, you know, I live in America. I live in Canada. Everything's new. Everything's pretty standard, suburban, You know, there are some cute areas where I live, but it's definitely not Europe. I'll have to say that. I mean, down the road, I have two car sales dealerships, I guess they're called, a gas station. (laughs) You know, like it's not, it's not cute. It's not like Europe for sure. But I want to kind of pull on that string a little bit because we have been shut up in our houses really kept away from exploring very much unless, you know, you're next to nature and you get to hike, but, and that's great. But the last year and a few months already, we've really been closed off and physically and mentally and emotionally. I know you guys feel that too. We've talked about it quite a bit and I've I've talked about it with quite a few different people on the podcast of just like the creativity isn't there, you know, when you're stressed out with your kids getting on their Zoom calls at the right time and you have to work and your spouse has to work and, you know, so many things are going on and then there's the news and what do you do and all the things that are changing and 
you know, whatever stresses you out can become amplified when you see the person on the street not doing what you believe is correct. And, you know, we've just been super stressed out for over a year. And I think that that really frays our nerves and it frays our creativity. And I know that I'm I'm lucky. My credit card is through the roof to go home to Spain, but, you know, I'm going to figure that out. I'm lucky that I have a husband that will work with us and we'll figure that out. We are going to go see family. That is our priority. And you can say, you know, I'm super blessed to be able to go there and sort of soak in this architecture and this ancient European beauty, right? And you are correct. I am absolutely super lucky and I plan to take every moment of it and and soak in it. But I want to encourage you wherever you live to take walks and to just start looking. I'm trying to really look at things when I take my walks in the morning. It's not always easy. And especially if I have a companion, (laughs) you know, we tend to chat instead of observe. But whatever your creativity is, try to look and describe the things around you. How would you paint it? How would you draw it? How would you put it into a cake? How would you express your neighborhood, both in drawing and writing and music-wise? What does it say to you? I mean, I am not a musician in any sense of the word, but I wake up to birds every morning. Perhaps if I was a musician, I would sit and listen to the birds and listen to the cicadas and listen to the sounds going on in my neighborhood. As a writer, I am looking and I am starting to describe things. I start with the most basic house, dog, grass, birds, and then I go into a little bit uh, more detail. Uh, Craftsman, bungalow, bird sanctuary, bluebird, cardinal, cicada, you know, trying to get into these more and deeper and deeper and deeper into them, getting minute details. I am now starting to take a journal and figure out what plants are around me because I realize that I don't actually know the names of plants. That's crazy, right? I, I can spot a magnolia tree, a cherry tree, and I can I can spot the obvious things, but there are so many plants that I have no idea what they are. And I think, you know, not that I'm a gardener and not that it really matters, except that what a beautiful detail to be able to understand, you know, what kind of plant it is. I have this bush that has these red berries that only turn red in the fall. Well, if I don't know what the name of it, and obviously you can tell I don't know the name of it, I can't put that in my writing of you know, and the berries on this bush were red, that will indicate fall. Well, I don't even know what the bush is, so I need to figure that out. I'm starting to realize these details that I have passed through in life, and I want to start grasping them. I think that it will fuel my creativity. For me as a writer, it will fuel my vocabulary. But at the same time, if your vocabulary grows as well, you can start painting them. You know, your your painting will show 
the magnolia tree in bloom. Well, that's going to show you it's early summer, right? If you are wanting to make it into a, a cake or a cookie or whatever, like, you know, we have certain Christmas things that we do. You wouldn't you wouldn't make a poinsettia cookie right now or a cake, right? Maybe a magnolia, maybe um, roses coming up, maybe uh, uh, strawberries. Some of my strawberries are coming up. Yay, I grew something that didn't die right away. But I want to encourage you to just look and to start sort of with the rhythm of your walking. This is a street. This is a car. Okay, what kind of car is it? I also don't know the th- the names of cars, I've realized. So I'm trying to figure those out too, an Audi. And so that when people say them, I can visualize them, right? Because as creatives, I think we're very, very visual. Anna then talks about really paying attention in order to understand the emotions that you have in response to things, which then can help you in your business when, when choosing a logo, when choosing a name, when choosing the colors. Isn't that interesting? I personally have never walked through and looked at the logos and looked at the colors and and questioned what my response is to them. So I think that this practice as you walk through your neighborhoods, whether it's suburban, whether it's rural, whether it's city life, go through and and name the things and get deeper and deeper and then start paying attention to the colors. What do they make you feel? What is the emotion? What is the energy level? Start looking at the logos on the signs coming up. What does that make you feel? I mean, I have to say, if I see an Audi, I think, well, that person has good taste in cars and they probably paid a lot of money for that. (laughs) More than, you know, if I see my Ford Taurus that I drove around as a 20-year-old, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You might have to change that transmission for $800. That's probably more expensive now. So, you know, these, these different reactions that we have to things I think if we start low, you know, start at the surface level and just say, you know, house, street, dog, neighbor, and then we get a little bit deeper, then we're going to be able to walk around and really pay attention in accordance to our our business and what we're doing in our creativity. Does that make sense? Let me know what you think about that. Let me know if, you know, have you gone through life like me, kind of just not paying attention to the details of things I, you know, I don't think matter, like plants and trees. And now I want to run and catch up to that. Are you like me? Or are you somebody who knows all the names of these things? I have friends like that. They know the names of parts and trees and I don't know, like cars and stuff. And I think that's great. So let me know what you think about paying attention and how you think it might affect the way that you set up your business, your colors, your logo, you know, maybe even your projects from now on. Noticing how you're responding to these things. Um, maybe you pay attention. I'd love to hear about it. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my personal one is at catcaldwell.author and the podcast is at pencils and lipstick, everything spelled out. I'd love to hear from you. Right now, though, we are going to get into the interview with Anna. Welcome back, everyone. We have an interview today with somebody that I'm excited to talk to. She and I met over social media, as I meet most of these creators. I'm going to let her say her last name. She's from Slovenia, so my tongue is tripping, but her first name's Anna. I can do that. Anna, she's a graphic designer and an illustrator, and 
Keep in mind Illustrator, because that is why I'm specifically excited to talk to her today. But thank you, Anna, for coming. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And if what is your last name? Can you pronounce it for us? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's Anna Jurajutic-Kladic. Actually, I have two last names, but um, yeah, they're both very hard to um, to say in Slovenian too, so no problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, Americans... English doesn't have that many sounds to it. So by the time we're adults, we get a little chipped up. Uh, that's interesting that you have two last names because in the Spanish culture, they have two last names as well. Yeah, actually, my, my second last name isn't the official one. I just use it uh, mostly for, actually, mostly for uh, illustration and graphic design. Uh, but it's my mother's last name. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's very beautiful. I love Eastern European language. I think they're beautiful. Well, and let's say, um, will you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? Of course, yeah. Um, I'm from Slovenia, as Kat already said. Um, I'm from Ljubljana. That's the capital of Slovenia. Um, I pretty much grew up in the city. Um, I don't know. It's... It's my home. I really like it. I really love it, actually. Uh, I travel a lot, but I always want to kind of return home. So, yeah, I would invite everyone to come to Slovenia because it really is beautiful. So. I actually have a pull towards towards Eastern Europe in I've never... Well, I've got I've been to create Croatia for about 18 hours. <laughs> That's like as far east as I've gotten. But um there's so much history there. And unfortunately, I think it's a lot of history that we don't learn in the far western yeah, world. Yeah. That's true, actually. I think uh even in Europe, uh people don't learn about the Balkans and um the ex-Yugoslavia in countries um around here. I'm not sure exactly why. But yeah, um, I was talking to a lot of Germans and French people and they basically only know like the the few wars that we had and that's it. That's basically what, what they know about Slovenia. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's CNN and BBC show some war-torn areas in like the 90s and then that's... That's, yeah, yeah. that was the most notorious one. <laughs> we had like a really... Um, big leader and um that's why i think it was like the most known war yeah there's a lot of history to learn about in this world so tell us a little bit about your own history about how you got into graphic designing and illustrating um when you sort of started on your creative path actually i think i was always like pretty creative child um, I remember even in uh, primary school, I always, uh, I was always drawing. I was once, I think I was even in some contests in school, but then I don't exactly know what happened. I kind of drifted away from that, uh, from all of the creative stuff from uh, painting. And then I went to high school, which was uh, design and photography high school. And I kind of, again, found myself and found this love for art and for creating. But I think it was, again, maybe too much for just like for once. So for my, for my college, I, um, I went to art history because uh, I didn't want to, I don't even know how to explain it that well, but I didn't want to create so much. Mm. 
I wanted to kind of explore what is out there. I wanted to see what else is what else the world has to offer, so to speak. But then again, I kind of realized that no, that I still am a creative person and I still want to do like create things and paint and draw, especially. So I changed my major. So now I, I'm finishing graphic design and I kind of like in the process of um, this change to, to graphic design, I kind of found my love for illustration again, because in between, I think because of the high school pressure of always having to draw and always having to produce like tons and tons of uh, material, just like drawings, paintings, everything, um, also sculptures. I think, as I said, it was too much. And now that I that I'm kind of like free to do whatever I want to do, I think I found it again. The love for for drawing, for illustration, and I think now I kind of know that, or I I feel that I can express myself in a certain way. And I don't have to follow some style or follow someone or follow something that is already existing. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> I find it really cool that you went to a high school specifically for creativity. Like, I don't know yeah. of many high schools at all in America that are like that. A lot of the Western world right now pressures especially women or young girls to go into STEM. So your math and your engineering and technology, which is great, but like not everyone's made to do that. So was this high school, you said you had to produce a lot of stuff, a lot of content. So it was an intense. Yeah. um, I think not, I wouldn't say like very, very intense, but for me, like at that point in my mind, I wasn't, as committed to art as I am now, for example. I wasn't prepared to put all my time into drawing and into creating. So I think that was the main reason. Yeah, of course, there was a lot of work. There was a lot of materials that we had to do every week. There was uh, a few new projects uh, because we had like different courses, obviously. One was drawing, one was painting, one was sculpture and all other things so yeah I think that like at that point it was too much it was very you're very young at that point too to be yeah that was between 14 and yeah so you're kind of pushing the limits of your creativity because your life at that point is very short. Like you don't know as much about the world as you do as an adult, but I mean, I guess it could be good, but it could (laughs) be bad, (laughs) you know, depending on the personality. I was still kind of searching for myself. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't know if that is my path in life. And I wasn't really like with all my heart within art because if you're not, I think it's really, really hard to to create, to produce things. Um, so yeah, that's why I think high school was it was a great time for me, but still it was it was a hard time for in in an in an aspect of um not wanting to do things that they wanted me to do. Sure. Yeah. It it is a lot to ask 
14, 15, 16-year-olds to decide what they're doing with their life. I, I think that there are a few who really know. Yeah. And then the rest of us are like, oh, I can't commit. Yeah. <laughs> Which might be a sign of a creative mind anyway, if we don't want to commit to the one thing. <laughs> like, so when you went into art history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm yes. I, it's, yeah. I think that's that whatever side that is of the brain it is. Uh, when you went into art history, were you thinking more to work with artists or like just to expose yourself to what else art meant in the world? I think both. I think I was just like curious. I always loved art. I always loved looking at it. I always, I was always interested in the meaning behind the the work of art. So I think that was like the main reason that I wanted to kind of study that. Also, maybe for inspiration, you know, for myself, I think that was kind of like the the hidden thing that I wanted to, that my mind wanted to do, just to to find something that I really want to do. Right. Kind of. Yeah, that is true that we, we tend to sometimes think that we have to come up with all the new ideas ourselves, but really we should be feeding off of yes. other creativities. Yeah, it's very important. Like it's inspiration and just to see what everyone else is doing, not to copy it, but just to be inspired by it, you know, just to like kind of soak in everything that's going on, the culture. Uh, It doesn't have to be um, a painting that inspires you. It can be um, a work, a a music, uh, some music or some song, some poem, whatever. Sure. So, yeah. Do you think anything of your culture, of the Slovenian culture, influenced you? Could you tell us, those of us who probably don't know much about it at all, anything about your the music, your the paintings, or anything of the creativity that your people have influenced on you? Actually, Slovenian culture is kind of, for me, it's kind of a mixture of Italian, Balkan, and German. Mm. So we have a lot of mostly influences from Germany and Austria, especially in Baroque and Renaissance and um, those like older periods. Also music, like our, our traditional music is very much like Austrian ones and uh, German ones. So yeah, I think, I think that would be, that would be like a Slovenian culture in a nutshell, but for me, I don't think it is. It 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 kind. It didn't really inspire mm-hmm. me that much. I love to travel, so since I was pretty young, I was like traveling around Europe mostly, and I think I picked up inspiration during traveling a lot. Um, I love Spanish-speaking countries. I love Portugal, especially. So yeah, I, I think that is what inspires me more than Slovenian culture. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you you guys are lucky in Europe that you can cross borders very quickly. <laughs> Whereas America, you just keep going into America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> as you transitioned into graphic design, um, why did you choose graphic design? It was it well, why did you choose it? It was, I think, two things. <laughs> First one was because I loved everything I saw from like just the, the idea of like creating things that are in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can see it, you can touch it, like everything you 
you look around and everything is graphic design or design for that matter. But the other thing was, I like I said, I really want to travel. I love traveling. So that was one of the main things why I chose graphic design because you can do it from anywhere in the world. So I think like the, that freelancing and remote working and co-working spaces and things like that, I, I, I would really like to be a part of that. Right. Yeah, that is that is true. You once you can freelance, <laughs> you can pretty much do it from anywhere you want. Do you yeah. do you think that people need to know how to draw and have that sort of education educational background before they go into graphic design or could you go in kind of not having any background? To be honest, no, I don't think you have to draw to be a graphic designer, but you do. I mean, it's it's good to go to some at least some courses or something to get to know the basics of colors and typography and um, just like positioning of the things and yeah I think I think that's a really big plus because right now there's a lot of graphic designers that didn't study or they just started like freelancing from their own, like on their own it's great. Like I, I love that, but I think that that added value is still to be educated to to know some things that that other graphic designers before us uh, kind of discovered, you know. True. So yeah, I I think it's it's of course it's a plus. It's a big plus, but you can you can be a graphic you can be actually like a, a really great graphic designer even if you didn't go to school, but. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, I think you'd have to have that that eye for design and like that instinct. Yeah, but there's there's something about it. Yeah, um, yeah. there's got to be some sort of rule because you look at some things and you're like, "That's brilliant," and you look at others and you think something's off. You know, and I don't have an eye for for graphics, but I know when there's something off. So I I would assume that that's a, if you go to a class, it's almost quick you you learn it quicker you you see those things and you have a reason behind why yeah. like that one's better than the other yeah yeah exactly exactly I think that's that's the little uh thing that separates uh graphic designers who didn't go to school and those who did sure yes so now that you have all these these tools online uh, like a lot of people use canva so that they can do their own stuff which we can still butcher it <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great that those of us who, who don't have the eye, we have all these templates, but we can really overdo it there. Um, I think even like graphic designers and photographers, they have this issue now that everyone has the quote unquote tools. And yeah. um, I think a lot of especially smaller companies don't think they need a graphic designer. So what would you tell uh, or what what do you tell the, the clients you're working with or of why they need somebody probably to be doing some of their branding or their graphic designing? Um, I think it's one of the things that we just talked about. Like in school, you you also learn not just not just those little things that people just like kind of see that something is off, but um, in school you also learn about the why behind some kind of some kind of logo or some kind of sign or uh, a color or whatever, you know? So um, 
I think that's the main reason why people should choose educated graphic designers or like someone who has an eye for it, just because there might be a logo that you love, but it it doesn't mean that it's a good logo, you mm. know? I think logo is like the most, the, the easiest way to kind of illustrate this because there can be like a really, 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 really nice looking logo. And if it's not, if it's not efficient in doing what it should be doing, then it doesn't matter if it's beautiful or not. That's interesting. So you you think that even psychologically people associate logos to the companies. Oh, that's an interesting point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very big part actually. Um in branding especially, it's you're not making a visual rep- I mean, yes, of course, you're making a visual representation of, of the company, but you're basically with all of the visual identity of the company, you're actually creating a feeling about a brand. You know, people connect to a feeling. They don't connect to this, uh, I don't know, this sign that's like on the door. You know, they connect to something deeper. They connect to what they feel when they see the sign, you know, mm. I, I hope I'm, I'm being clear what yeah. I want to say. That, that's just really interesting. Cause I, I think most people, or I'll talk about authors. Most authors would probably put some sort of quill or pencil or book in their, in yeah. their logo. But you're saying that you're not really trying to tell people what you do with that, but you're trying to connect with an emotion and I, a quill doesn't emotionally connect with anyone. It will tell them that you write something or that's how you identify yourself. But yeah, yeah. It actually depends like what you, what you want to say with it, you know, but yeah, of course, like if, if your brand is who you are, I think that's more successful than just like being a brand. Just, yeah, I'm writing things, you know, because there's a lot of people who are writing things, but people people connect to what you're writing, who you are, why you choose the topics that you write about. And I think a logo for a brand for anything and like the visual identity of whatever you're doing, I think it should it should convey exactly that, you know, the feeling, the 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 emotions behind the brand. Hmm. That's interesting. So what about between choosing your fonts, choosing your colors, choosing your logo, what do you think is more important? The logo, like, would that come first? And then you go along with all the other things. That's, I think it's a very individual thing. Mm-hmm. Each time that you're, you're creating something new, I think it's a very individual thing. Sometimes like your main focus, like something that kind of is the focus of the brand. It might be uh, it might be some color or some color scheme or I don't know a leaf or a flower or even a quill, but then you you build from that you know mm-hmm. you build around it and it doesn't it doesn't have to be if you if your name is orchid it doesn't have to be an orchid in the end you know that's right. like inspiration and I think every design that you make is like a process on its own. Mm. I don't usually make designs like in this, like doing the same process, the same steps 
uh, as always. Like usually, of course, there is something like some steps that you have to take and you have to create something before you do something else. But yeah, I think I think it this is individual. It's really hard to say like with like what is more important, a logo or mm-hmm. or a color scheme, you know? That's really interesting because I think a lot of creatives, people who listen to the podcast and who I work with, they're usually using their name as their company, you know, or they are the brand. And so I'm I'm thinking like they need to maybe reevaluate how important it is to have a logo or how important it is to have what, what people see quickly about their brand. And, you know, every time you're starting out and I know, you know, this, as you go into freelancing and illustrating, you only have a certain amount of money, but maybe as they're listening, rethinking how important is that logo to, because that is what people are going to see in a snap. You know, they might not always read your bio, but they might be pulled in to read the bio by seeing your logo. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you can, you can actually, the next time you walk on your, like the most known street in your city, for example, there's going to be a lot of logos everywhere. And there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different visual things, for example, commercials and, um, I don't know, flyers, things like that. Try to maybe feel what you, when you see something, what do you feel? Because when there's a logo or something visual that you don't like, you're not going to like the brand. You know, you're not going to walk into the shop if you don't like what it looks like from, from outside, probably. So yeah, I think, I think like visual identity for brands is one of the most important things. That's interesting. Do you ever come across as you go sort of cross-culturally, have you ever come across something that really doesn't work in another culture just from like the visual aspect of it? Have you come across that yet? Yeah, I think mostly that happens with architecture. Oh, really? <laughs> I think that's like the most common thing. Yeah, because even here in Slovenia, like you can see so many houses, just like normal houses, I don't know, for a family and it just doesn't fit into into the context of the country or the the area that they are so yeah i think i think with um, with architecture is like the most the most noticeable thing <laughs> that's interesting i'm going to start paying attention to architecture then i think i think what you said though is, is... <laughs> yeah yeah especially in europe i think yeah. okay one of the things is, as you're creative, is I think a lot of people do sort of sit in their own creativity and try to understand the emotional response to to what they are doing. But I think it's interesting what you're saying to encourage people to connect emotionally to the other aspects of the creativity, especially that what influences business. Because in the end, you know, we all have to have our business, but it's interesting I've never done that where I've walked down the street and looked at logos or looked at just the the visual element and see like, do I want to walk into that store? Why or why not? That's an interesting exercise to do though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think so too. I think you'll be surprised. Like you notice so many things, um, especially like just the visual things. When you maybe even it's, it's the most 
the most interesting if you if you go to some city that you actually know very well and just like kind of try and look at it from the other perspective you know like try to see things that you didn't notice before i think that's one of the like the magical things that you can you can be doing being a tourist in your own city <laughs> Interesting. I think that's a great challenge to give the listeners. <laughs> it will be an interesting experience. Yeah. But so you're you're doing graphic design. I know that you are working hard at that, but I contacted you more on the illustrator side because I saw, and I don't know how you popped up. Um, I love that Instagram does this. Some of your illustrations were so beautiful that, so the listeners don't know, I contacted you because I want you to, to design my the graphic of my book cover. So when did you decide to give more time to your own personal illustrations and sort of start that as well? When did you feel filled up creatively enough to start doing that again? I think like the real start, the, the, when I really felt like I really wanted to do that was last year when I was living in Croatia. And the professor there for illustration, she was very, she was very demanding, kind of, but she was pushing me to create things that I like to create and to find my own style. So with her being so demanding and like kind of expecting from me certain things in like frequently, I don't know, just my love for my love for illustration and drawing just kind of like it just came back. Mm -hmm. uh, that was during Corona. Maybe that was also the reason because we were inside quite a lot. But yeah, I think that was maybe also like a change of uh, a change of scenery because I was I moved there and everything was different. Everything was new. There was a lot of inspiration. I was living in Split, which is a very very old city. Uh, with those beautiful medieval or even like actually the Split Center is used to be a palace from a Roman emperor Diocletian. So yeah, of course, of course you get a lot of inspiration there and you see so many beautiful corners of and beautiful streets and beautiful people even. So yeah, I think I think just everything kind of fell into place and I started I started drawing again and I, I haven't stopped since. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, I do like how you say that almost her her overbearingness sort of pushed you to find yourself. Because I, I do think that is something that's interesting to think about. A lot of times we want to pull back when somebody's being very demanding on our creativity. But sometimes it's like the refining process where you'll actually, if you get through it, you'll come out being like, oh my gosh, I found, I broke through and this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. Yeah, this exactly. is my drawing. I think it was because she was pushing me in a very positive way. Mm. She was very demanding, but she was also very supportive. She was always telling me, oh, that, that's very good, but you have to work on it still. Or even if she didn't like it, she was she was trying to find something, like some way to work it out, you know, to, to make it better. And I kind of felt inspired and I I felt at that moment that I have to create something better, that I have to push myself uh, because I never, before that, I didn't really, 
when I was drawing, I, I like finished a sketch, finished a, a drawing, a painting, whatever. And I was okay with it. And here I started refining it. You know, I, I, I looked at it and I said, okay, this is finished. But then I looked at it again and I said, no, it's not. I have to push myself even more and I have to create something even better. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a negative thing. It wasn't of me being very critical of myself, but it was very, I think it was very, yeah, inspirational. It was just like me wanting to really, really wanting to do this. Yeah. I, I like where you're going with that. Cause sometimes when we haven't gone to the educational part, you know, if we haven't gone to art school or pursued our creativity in college, we don't get that mentorship, that sort of pressure. And I think like you, a lot of us for a while are okay. Like it's done. I'm done. Like that's a great sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. and, and it's awesome when we actually finish our projects. That's definitely something we need to do. But that critical eye, is that something that you developed through going to school and working under a mentor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm just thinking like that. I'm not sure we always get that otherwise. Although, Yeah, I think actually uh, having a mentor is very important. It's um, I didn't know that before also. I heard it like a lot of times, especially for business. They always say like, yeah, find yourself a mentor it will help you with your business but yeah I, I never thought of it as being like something I really needed and right now I see that I really needed that yeah I think that's a great piece of advice for a lot of people uh, especially when you're you're younger or you're starting out you've really decided to pursue that creativity that's a big step already you know no matter what age you are that you're kind of like the beginner but finding somebody who will push you in a positive way i think that's also the optimum yeah. in what you said is is going to help you get better than maybe even you think you have in you yeah yeah of course i think so too yeah so when when you talk about illustration and that's kind of the direction you want to go can you tell us a little bit about what what that means to you, what direction of illustration um, is kind of your dream goal? I'm kind of like, since Split, I'm kind of exploring what I want to do. But lately, I'm seeing like kind of a pattern of the style that I like to like to create in. So yeah, I think illustration for me is just like expressing my emotions. I usually draw women sometimes also animals. I love animals. So I think like that's, um, I couldn't decide between the two if I can, if I had to, but yeah, I think, I think through those women that I draw, I think those are the emotions that, that are kind of in me and I want to express to the world. And I don't know how, like, I, I don't know any other way to do it hmm. rather than drawing. Yeah. I love that. Cause you, you can sum up you can sum up like the what you want to convey through an illustration. I mean, I can't. You probably can. <laughs> but I think that women have been left out of history. Stories have been left out. And sometimes it's great to write about it, but sometimes it's better to to draw it, what they've done, how they've contributed, who they what women are and what the place that they have in this world. Yeah. So I, I think that's amazing. Yeah, I always try to kind of pick inspiration from women yeah to create a story 
with a drawing. I want to tell people who she is. Even if, if you, even if you're just going to look at it for five seconds, I want you to feel what she was feeling at the moment. So yeah, I, I think some people, yeah, some people uh, write about it. Some people draw, some people write music. And yeah, I think, I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to express your emotions and your thoughts and your aspirations even through something like that. Yeah. So you, as you go into illustration for work, what kind of work are you looking, do you think, to do with that? So you have probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of artists have like their personal work that they want to do and probably contribute are you looking to do more collaboration with other people as well, like what you and I are doing with my book cover, or are you mostly pursuing your private work? Or how do you think that will, I know you're only in the beginning, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually right now I'm working on a, on a series of, of uh, illustrations. Actually, I don't have time to work a lot with others to mm-hmm. do collabor- collaborations a lot. But yeah, I think in the future, I would love to do that because I, I love being social. I love kind of experiencing other people. I want to know what everyone else is doing. It's it's very interesting to, to get to know so many new people around the world, you know. So yeah, I would love to go more into collaborations, even like book covers and things like that, because I'm a big book fan. <laughs> so... But yeah, right now I'm mostly working on my own projects just to maybe like start and really, really find myself. You know, I don't want to, I don't, I mean, I like collaborating even if you never find yourself, obviously that like the path is always there, but still, I don't think at this moment that um, I found my like real, real style. Of course, if you contacted me that you'd like something, that's like a very huge compliment for me, obviously. And I love collaborating, but I think like for now, first, I have to kind of find my own, how would I say it? My own Mm self-confidence in what I'm doing, you know? Yes. It's really hard to reach out to people if you're not like completely self-confident into what you're doing. So yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense though, because I, I definitely wouldn't be reaching out to higher authors <laughs> than me. <laughs> you know, I mean you definitely need to find uh what we call your voice in writing, yeah. but your artistic, really your style and being really confident in that. But what is the plan with illustration? Are there still galleries? Like, is that a thing? Or what do you do as an artist with your projects? What is the end, end goal with them? Uh, I think n- not really that much galleries. I mm. I want to connect with ordinary people, so to speak, mm. you know. I want people to have my illustrations in their homes, not in the galleries. I Yeah, I, I want to connect to real people. You know, I don't want to, I don't want my illustration just to be a work of art on, on a white wall in some gallery with everyone else in it. I mean, it's, it's great. It's an accomplishment, obviously, but yeah, I, I really want to connect to people like me. I think that's a great aspiration. There. <laughs> if people want <laughs> to, well, I just think like there's, um, 
There's a disconnect between ordinary people and art. And I say ordinary being completely middle-class ordinary myself, but I now live in an area that's very upper class. I have, it's DC area. So there's a lot of, that's the capital of the U.S. And there's a lot of very mm-hmm. high high up and very low down. You know, it's a very strange city. But I've always thought that yeah. like in every artistic world, whether it's illustration, painting, sculpting, writing, there's always like levels, you know? <laughs> and it's a very strange thing to me. There's the literary writers. Yeah you know, who are up here and all the rest of us. And I just think that busting that, that, that glass ceiling, I don't know if we would call it glass ceiling, but bringing art and connecting with us normal people, you know, like we're just as creative as everyone else. And like you said, it's great to find your work in like the bigger place, you know, but art and creativity should always be accessible and encouraged to everyone, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a great accomplishment, of course, if, if you find yourself in a museum, but for me, it makes more sense to, to connect uh, with, yeah, of course, like normal people, ordinary people. Um, I think that's even, that's even like a more, something to be even more proud of kind Mm. of if, if a normal person, normal in, in quotations, if they like your work, that means that you actually that you actually conveyed your emotions with it. You you told the story that an ordinary person understands. And that I think to me is like the greatest accomplishment. Oh, that's very true. That's very true because I think again, quote, ordinary people are are really willing to tell you whether they've connected. And like you said, if they yeah. like it, that means that they've connected to it because you always have to be careful with the higher ups, whether they're just trying to say that because it's strategic <laughs> or not in every creative world. Yeah. But yeah. As we're talking about connecting, how can people connect with you? I found you on Instagram, so we'll definitely have the links there, but tell people how they can find you and see your work because right now they're listening, but your art is very visual. So can you let us know where people can find you? Yeah, of course. Like you said already, uh, Instagram, I think that's where I'm most sociable. You can see my illustrations on at Anna Artist with five A's in between. <laughs> Maybe check the link. It's better. <laughs> um, and also there's a few graphic design projects on Behance. And also I think the link will be included here. Because it's again my my last name that people don't know how to how to spell. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, we will always have these language barriers, even with Google Translate. It's it's difficult. <laughs> so we will definitely have the links um, in the show notes. So I encourage people to go and check them out. I think Anna has some really beautiful illustrations on Instagram, and again, that's how I found her. And I was like, that's exactly what I wanted for an illustration for my book cover. So you guys, when you see the book cover being released, it is Anna, this wonderful illustrator who has worked with me to to bring my ideas, which are not very well worded as I talk to her, (laughs) to life. So I'm very excited to show you guys that. You'll be able to see that. And I highly encourage you to go check her out, what she is working on. And if you're a graphic designer or illustrator connecting with her, 
That is the number one thing we'd want to do on this podcast is connect all the creatives and at least support each other. So thank you so much, Anna, for coming and telling us your story and talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.